Welcome, everybody. Time for another episode of Alive, brought to you by the Asher Longevity Institute, committed to the science-based and easy-to-implement lifestyle changes you need in order to live a much longer and much healthier life. This show is made possible through the generous support of People Unlimited, a premier longevity company in Phoenix, Arizona. Learn more about People Unlimited and their partner longevity experts in the Coalition for Radical Life Extension at rlecoalition.com. That's rlecoalition.com. I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Longevity Institute studio in Washington, D.C., together with the host of Alive, John Asher, CEO and co-founder of the Asher Longevity Institute. John's guest is Dr. Abid Hussein, a fellow of the American College of Cardiologists and certified by the American Board of Anti-Aging Regenerative Medicine. Dr. Hussein is a physician at the Boone Heart Institute in Greenwood Village, Colorado, working along with Dr. Jeff Boone, the Chief Medical Officer of the Asher Longevity Institute. And the title of the show is Best Non-Prescription Ways to Improve Longevity. Over to you, John. Thank you, Dr. Hussein, for joining us. Thank you for having me, John. It's a pleasure to be here. Great, great. So you are that um, rare person who is well known as a great cardiologist, also who understands a lot of what a functional medicine doctor does, and of course, an expert on longevity. So it's a, it's a rare combination. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's been a process. I, I uh, worked as a conventional cardiologist for almost 10 years and then decided that the conventional approaches to prevention of a cardiovascular disease and, uh, and longevity were, were lacking in cardiovascular education. And that motivated me to start looking for other areas to uh, improve my patient outcomes. And that led me to functional medicine, functional medicine. And then from there, the uh, leading edge of, of functional medicine has been peptide sciences, hormonal optimization, and uh, cellular optimization. So it's been quite a re-education over the past five to six years. No, that's, that's just terrific. So the peptides, the hormones, mm -hmm. and, and the, um, the cellular regeneration at the cellular level as well. Yeah, yeah, we're finding that all of the uh, all of the ailments and diseases and just aging really boils down to what's happening on a biochemical and cellular level. And all of those classes that I thought I was going to be able to forget in medical school have come back to haunt me. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's really so great that um, uh, you're focused on the future for patients as opposed to trying to fix their problems with stents and operations and you know, all those things that so many cardiologists are trained to do. Mm -hmm. And so much better to be focused on the uh, prevention. Absolutely. So, yeah, so let's take peptides at, uh, first. What's the history of, you know, what are they and what's, what's a little bit of history behind them? Well, I mean, peptides are a they're short amino acid sequences that are less than 50 amino acids long. And they, these are signaling molecules that our body uses to communicate with other parts of our cells, other parts of our body. And uh, they're basically messenger molecules. And when we age, these messenger molecules either become less efficient, they deteriorate, or they become, they become less functional because of 
accessory proteins that, that are just kind of slowing down the communication or toxins, uh, chronic immune conditions, you know, all of the things that we, we know we've learned about over the years via functional medicine. At its core, aging could be said that it's the loss of efficiency of our naturally functioning peptides. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to take peptides as a medication, as a prescription medication right now. But, you know, there's a lot of non-pharmacologic ways that you can optimize your natural peptides. And, and peptides, it, it's a, that's a very broad arcing term. It, it could mean some hormones, you know, and a lot of the, what we learn about longevity means optimizing our existing hormones. Yeah, so, um, you know, when you look at the uh, anti-aging, there are at least three important areas of the body that are pretty much gone by age 80. And that is, you know, 50% of our muscle mass is lost unless we do strength training. NAD plus is pretty much gone. Stem cells are pretty much gone. Thymus gland is all dried up. And so peptides are pretty much uh, gone at that age as well. Yeah, you could say that because those all those those organs, all of those systems secrete their own set of peptides. You mentioned the thymus gland. There, there are thy, uh, thymus peptides that are secreted that help the immune system. Uh, our muscle mass is intimately involved with growth hormone as well as testosterone and, and our fat metabolism. Uh, and then you mentioned NAD, that's on the cellular level, that's our mitochondrial efficiency. And there are peptides that are designed to communicate between the nucleus and the mitochondria to maintain that. So when you look at um, a peptides, mm -hmm. let's say we're middle-aged, and what can we do to arrest or slow down the, um, the efficiency of the peptides? slow down the deterioration of them yeah yes well, well the way the best way to to slow down the deterioration of of these natural peptides is one of them is going to be to make watch what we're eating you know it's just, it's a simple sort of it's a simple idea but we consume too much uh, and that's just an overall caloric burden in uh in the standard western diet and the american society so excess calories will cause uh, excess proteins and excess glucose flood our system. And those byproducts basically gunk up and slow down the, the cogs that turn our cells, our, our internal machinery. So it gets deposited as fat. That fat will turn into, that fat becomes its own endocrine organ that secretes pro-inflammatory and inflammatory uh, cytokines. So just by, uh, just that simple um, modification alone can um, reduce our the amount of deterioration of our peptides and increase their efficiency. And and you know just just caloric restriction is probably not suitable. You know there's a lot of well it's not a suitable description because there's a there's just so many diets out there and so many ways that it can be done and so much information. I think that um, it's not that the that it's the type of diets per se, but fasting, which is important. Um, there's a, there's a lot of data that's come out via intermittent fasting and even prolonged fasts that show how beneficial that is for us. It will reduce our overall caloric intake. It gives our gut 
time to heal, especially the gut microbes, because they can't work all the time. And when they're working all the time, it actually causes more of an inflammatory burden. So having a period of fasting, 12 to 16 hours, sounds like a lot, but it's not because you're, you're, think, you're incorporating your sleeping time. Having those gaps really help our gut. And then when we fast, it also increases our natural growth hormone secretion. And that's one of our, the key peptides in our body to help maintain longevity, efficiency, youthful vigor, and just about every system benefits from growth hormone. Prolonged fasting, maybe over for, for more than 24 hours. And when I say fasting, I mean, you're able to drink or have anything that doesn't have calories. So black tea, black coffee, water, things like that, but nothing with nothing added to any of those, no cream, no, uh, no sugar for sure. Um, but when you have a, a prolonged fast, more than 24 hours, you'll increase your cell's ability to, to go through what's called autophagy. Now autophagy is a natural mechanism that our body uses to recycle a lot of those extra proteins that are gunking up the system. So it's, uh, it, you know, our, our bodies have these in existing mechanisms to, uh, to improve ourselves and to, and to make ourselves more efficient. We just have to be aware of them and use them to our advantage. So what's the difference in um, effectiveness of fasting for 18 hours and mm -hmm. 24 hours? Does 24 hours give us a lot more? Well, it depends on what your goal is. You know, if you are looking to get into ketosis and train your body to burn more fat, uh, then, then that happens around anywhere from 12 to 16 hours, depending on what you had to eat the night before. And the more you do that, the more you, you force your body to switch from using existing carbohydrates to your fat stores, the more efficient it becomes at doing that and the more easily it'll do that later on. Uh, when you hit 24 hours, that's when you start, and this is approximate. It is, again, this depends on your, your metabolism and what you've eaten more recently. But when you hit 24 hours, that's when you start increasing your natural ability, to, your, your growth hormone um, uh, augmentation. So you, you maximize that at around 20 out, 24 hours. And then when you hit 48 hours, that's when you maximize your body's autophagy abilities, 48, sometimes a little longer. So each, each phase uh, has, its, has its different effects. So when you're fasting, you could do it just as a weight management lifestyle and do it on a daily basis, or you could do one extended one, which could last days, um, and do that once a month. So it really depends on what your goal is. John, excuse me, but it's time for a quick commercial break. The Asher Longevity Institute developed a nine-step program to guide you to a much longer and much healthier life. Our mission is to make this system easy to understand, simple to execute, and sustainable for the rest of your life. Go to asherlongevity.com today and sign up for the information and access you need to live the longevity lifestyle. That's asherlongevity.com to help you feel better now and achieve the longevity you desire. Now back to John and Dr. Hussein. So let me just ask one follow-up question about the mm -hmm. autophagy. Yeah. That, that is um, essentially when we start to um, get rid of those uh, very few senescent cells. Is that right? Is that what you mean by that? 
No, not necessarily. I mean, okay. there, there's, you know, senescent cells are, um, they are cells that have a dysfunction or inability to go through autophagy because then they collect so much debris that they become so inefficient that they can't divide and they're halted in their cellular ability, in their ability to stay functional cells, but then they have a survival mechanism that keeps them from dying. So they turn into, for lack of a better word, a zombie cell. They just kind of stay alive in a stasis sort of state, but end up secreting these, these uh, uh, cytokines. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, but autophagy is more, that's when a cell is functioning well and it can recycle those internal, that internal debris because that's laying around and it can be used for, to make energy when the, the cell is at an energy deficient state like fasting. Got it. So I'll give you my own interest in fasting. Mm -hmm. So every, I think you know this, every organism studied to date lives longer when they do calorie restriction and, and fasting. And so my wife, and so I've heard the best practice if just for beginners would be fast for, as you suggested, 18 hours, two consecutive days every two weeks and includes, of course, sleep time. So it makes mm -hmm. it easier on yourself. Yeah. So my wife and I actually fast every day. Mm -hmm. So we quit any calories after 8 p.m. and don't eat anything in the morning until noon. And we do that, as you suggest, one of the switches is do that and then go off of that for a month and then go back mm -hmm. on it to try to mimic that feast or famine in our, in our, um, in our history of life. So does that all sound right to you, what we're that doing? Sounds, yeah, that's ideal. That's basically what I do as well. I, I'll do a you know, eight, 16 to 18 hour fast on a daily basis and then uh, loosen it up on the weekends. And then every month or so, I'll feed myself a little more regularly so that my system still has the flexibility to do both. Okay, excellent. Yeah. All right, so let's, let's shift from the peptides, that was great, to, to the hormones. Mm -hmm. And as I know it, DHEA is one of the master hormones. Mm -hmm. And so could you let the audience know what they should be thinking about with regard to, to hormones? Well, the, the, one of the key hormones that is, uh, is necessary for both men and women is testosterone. And we have a, basically an epidemic of low testosterone happening in the country now. And that's probably a topic for, you know, for another podcast. But the best ways to impact that for men and women are, are there are some similarities and there's also some differences. Uh, you mentioned DHEA, and that is a, a helpful supplement for both men and women, but it has different effect on them both. Um, it is one of the master hormones and it does get metabolized into uh, progesterone, testosterone, and potentially cortisol. But for women, uh, it, it gets metabolized into testosterone more effectively. For men, oh. it doesn't do that. So for men to take DHEA, that's more of a uh, antioxidant sort of uh, uh, process as opposed to women where it'll do that, but it'll also improve their testosterone. So what's the big picture on, I mean, everybody hears that uh, men as they age should should use um, a testosterone. I, I use it myself, a, a cream, and 100 milligrams a day on my shoulders. 
Yeah. And that gets my free testosterone from somewhere between 20 and 25 and the total between seven and 900. Mm -hmm. How about for women though? Why, why do women need it? Well, women, we need it for the, a lot of the same, for the same reasons. It's just that they don't need as much. The reasons they're there to be probably evolutionarily speaking and uh, anatomically speaking, the lean, there's less lean muscle mass. And then, right. you know, women don't have, they don't have as much of a requirement for it, but for women, they need it for, they need it for their muscle mass. They need it for mental health. They need it for, and when I say mental health, it has, there's studies to show that it has profound effects on depression and anxiety in both sexes. There's a lot that, uh, uh, that testosterone does to improve our lean muscle mass and muscle as one of my mentors, Dr. William Seeds has says, is the, is the, um, is the, 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 is our metabolic currency. The more yep. lean muscle mass we have, the more our body is able to metabolize what it is we're taking. And the more it's able to secrete those hormones or metabolize the hormones too. So then, and, and then of course it's integral for libido for men and women. Right. So um, just to, just to tell you a fun fact, mm -hmm. um, I have more lean muscle mass now than when I played football in college. And I'm 80. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I've just kept up strength training you know, my whole life. Yeah. And that's, that's a really good point. Um, you know, the, the, one of the, the best ways to maintain uh, elevated or even just your mat, your optimal physiologic testosterone levels is with resistance training. Yeah. That's one of the most important pieces of advice that I give to my patients when they ask about exercise there's a misconception that we have to be doing cardio, you know, cardio activity all, all the time to stay in shape. But if we do too much cardio activity, then we're telling our body that we don't want muscle mass. We need to be as lean as possible so that we can be as light and as, and, and run as much as we can. That's not opt. That's not the best uh, situation or, or body morphology for optimal health. We want something that provides lean mass that'll be metabolically efficient elevate our testosterone and then provide all those benefits that testosterone can provide. So resistance exercise is important to do at least twice a week. Yeah, no, that's essentially what my wife and I do. We, and we, then we go for a, a brisk walk mm -hmm. um, every evening. So the combination of those two keeps us in pretty good shape. Yeah, it sounds like it. And without uh, gaining too much weight. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and then the other the other thing I recommend for, for patients is uh, high intensity interval training. And that's different for everybody. It doesn't have to be something extreme, but it's just some something that that's basically bursts of high intensity or high cardio activity. And it, and it's only 30 second bursts, maybe six six rounds of that at the most, if you can tolerate that and whatever it is that you can tolerate, but that really does a great job increasing growth hormone naturally as well. And it'll do the same thing. It'll, it'll improve uh, your metabolic efficiency. It'll, you mentioned NAD. That's one of the things that it'll improve as you become more uh, metabolically uh, efficient and, and uh, that machine becomes more able to burn the calories that you're taking. That'll effectively supply that NAD pool. And then you'll sleep better. I mean, growth hormone has just a huge list of effects that are, that are beneficial. And that's a great natural way to do it. Oh, totally agree. And so let's take the um, last item on your list of the big three, mm -hmm. and that is the cellular um, health. Yeah. 
Yeah, cellular health is uh, you know is something that's on the leading edge of uh, of functional medicine right now, and, and cellular health is alluding to the what you were saying before about NAD. That's that's um, finding out how to most effectively improve our NAD pools because when NAD uh, starts to get lower, when it starts to decrease, then we have uh, well, then we're at risk for genetic. Um, for lack for poor genetic repair, we're at risk for poor immune regulation. We're at risk for poor gut health and even mental health. So all of those things, on the most basic level, are uh, are affected by NAD. No, I totally agree. In fact, I had a um, NAD uh, a plus IV mm-hmm. um, three years ago, and about a month later, all kinds of benefits accrued. An example was. I have to say for 10 years, I couldn't stand up in the morning and raise one leg and put socks on while I was standing up. Mm-hmm. After the NAD plus infusion, I could do it. Yeah. So you can actually feel the benefit when you get those infusions. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's terrific. And also, <laughs> this may be too much information, yeah. but I no longer needed uh, Viagra. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. After that NAD plus mm-hmm. infusion. So <laughs> it actually has effects you can really tell, but you can't just take a supplement or two. You really have to get that when you know when you're over 45 or so, you got to get that infusion mm-hmm. to get to get it back back up there. Well, the, you know, the interesting thing about NAD is when we take a take it supplementally, our body is smart enough to know where to divert it to. And there can be some situations where if we have inflammatory conditions or if we have, uh, you know, some sort of chronic uh, immune issues, and we uh, give somebody NAD, it could increase the severity of their their condition. It could worsen it because of because uh, our the body still needs doesn't have enough energy to manage that in a chronic inflammatory situation. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's it, it's something to take with some caution, but it it, it helps most people. Um, you know, and I, but the the same recommendations apply because. NAD works best and, and, and is, that pool increases with metabolic efficiency. And that has to happen with, uh, that only happens when our body knows what to do with the food that it's given. It needs to be the most efficient. And the most efficient food source we have is uh, fatty acids, fats. So high carbohydrate diets are gonna be really bad for NAD pools. John, unfortunately it's time for the wrap up. So thank you, Dr. Hussein, very much for this uh, podcast. Very, very enlightening. No, you're very welcome. So if you could leave um, our listeners with maybe three central points or or Mm -hmm. things you would recommend they do, and then let everybody know how to get a hold of you. Sure. Um, I think that the the three takeaways are when you're watching, is our fasting, number one, whether it's going to be intermittent fasting or prolonged fasting. Uh, that's the that's one of the easiest ways to modify your diet without having to change your diets per se. Um, yeah. n- number two, exercise and resistance exercise has uh, important value in maintaining hormonal health. And number three, uh, maintaining NAD is going to happen by we didn't get to go into it in a lot of detail, but um, I think the lower carbohydrate diets are going to be one of the most important things to help. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So thank you so much. And how can people get a hold of you? 
Well, you can get a hold of me at, uh, I'm available on LinkedIn and I'm also at uh, the Boone Heart Institute. And the, the number there is 303-762-0710. All right, terrific. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you both. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to visit us at AsherLongevity.com to learn more about the science, supplements, and strategies to live a much longer and much happier life. That's AsherLongevity.com. From now until we meet again, John Asher reminds us that looking after our health today gives us better hope for tomorrow. This concludes another edition of Alive right here on the Funnel Radio Network for listeners like you. The Asher Longevity Institute developed a nine-step program to guide you to a much longer and healthier life. Our mission is to make this system easy to understand, simple to execute, and sustainable for the rest of your life. Go to asherlongevity.com today and sign up for the information and access you need to live the longevity lifestyle. That's asherlongevity.com to help you feel better now and achieve the longevity you desire. Thank you.